All right, legends. Welcome back, dude, to yet another episode of Get Around Me. What a time it is to be alive, truly. An absolutely ripping episode inbound, probably. This thing looks pretty good on paper, but nothing is guaranteed. A bit of administration off the rip. Our darling boy, Irish Wolfhound, Rowan Arneal, is doing his first solo stand-up comedy show in Sydney next week. I'm opening. Come on down September 7, 9, and 10, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, next week in Sydney. It's going to be so fun. Hope to see you there. You can get the ticket link via the show notes of this podcast or Rowan Arneal's Instagram. It's going to be unreal. And if you're coming to the Saturday Night Show, I can guarantee an absolutely face-melting circuit at Vic on the Park afterwards. And and you know what, dude? I'm guaranteeing that circuit despite the fact I have also agreed to a Father's Day brunch the next day. Okay, so shout out to my dad. Love him to bits, but Saturday's not your day, is it, mate? It's Rowan's. So I've got divided loyalties over the weekend, absolutely writing myself off in celebration of Rowan Arneal's artistic talents on Saturday, and then whatever's left of me will be having a coffee with the great man Sunday morning. So hope to see you there. I really am just excited, okay? Can't wait for the circuit. You know, there's no guarantees in life. Am I guaranteed to just destroy opening for Rowan, setting a platform for his fantastic comedy stylings? Dude, I mean, if Sportsbet had a market on it, I'd be paying a dollar ten. But at the same time, I've bet on numerous UFC fighters paying a dollar ten who have basically snapped their leg walking into the octagon. So nothing is guaranteed in this life. I'm gonna try my best with the comedy and and you have the only guarantee I can make as far as the stand-up is that I'm trying my best. As far as the circuit afterwards, that's locked in. That's going to be one of the great times. Sportsbet has voided the market on us ripping and tearing Saturday night. So, hope to see you there. Anyway, what's doing? I'm back in Sydney. Um, I've settled in, okay? The first week back, I was talking to Macca. The first week back after a holiday, it's kind of like... You're still on holiday, but you're in your own life. Your first week back in Australia after a a holiday is like you're still on holiday, but it's just a really crap leg of the trip. (laughs) It's it's like you're still on holiday, but you have to go to work and shit. It's weird. So back into the swing of things, I have resumed my barn me addiction. I had barn me's for lunch Friday and Saturday, and they're just as good as it gets. I've, I've been eating these barn mees down at Circular Key, and this is what I've been saying, dude. The nicer a barn me place, you almost don't want it. Like, if a barn me place is clean and could, like, pass a health inspector's test, you almost don't want it. You know, the barn me place I go to in Circular Key, it's got, like, a cool logo and neon lights, and the guy, the guy who serves me is some white guy with spaces and a half-sleeve tattoo. And look, it's nothing against him. It's nothing against James. I'm sure he's one of the great blokes. I'm sure he probably sells bags on the weekend or serves his community in some other way. Okay? I'm just saying that as far as getting a genuine Vietnamese pork roll, I just don't think that James, who grew up on the North Shore, is as authentic as it gets. 
Whereas in Newtown, there's this place where all it says is hot bread. It doesn't even say barn meats. It doesn't even... It's it's barely implying pork in any way, shape, or form. And yet that thing will absolutely rearrange your personality. Wow. What a fantastic barn me. So I had both ends of the spectrum last week. And I, I was just thinking, why am I talking about this? Sorry to ramble on. On Friday, I had cheese on my barn me. And I think I flew too close to the sun. Because when I order a barn me, there's no... I will say no to nothing. I'm like Jim Carrey in that film, Yes Man. You could load it up. I will never turn down an ingredient when it comes to a barn me. And so I got the bloody, the pork crackling extravaganza or whatever. They always ask, do you want chili? I don't, I think if it doesn't have chili, it's not really a barn me. Okay. I saw the woman in front of me in circular key ordered a vegetarian barn me no chili. Okay. So I don't want to tell you how to live, but I think you're having like a veggie sub. I don't think that is really a barn me in any way, shape or form. But at the same time, I'm just making this up. But dude, this guy in circular key, this trendy guy, James, with his space earrings and his Latin tattoos, he caught me off guard. He goes, what do you want? I said, pork crackling with chili. Okay. It's a Friday. I'm treating myself. And he said, do you want cheese? And like I said, I'm a yes man in the pork roll shop. So I said, yeah, dude, load it up. Let's go. And still, baby, I'm here to stay, you know. (laughs) Excuse me. That mild punchline just sent my throat into next week. But so I get the cheese on there. And dude, honestly, look, it tasted great. I'm not here to complain, but it did feel like when I tasted the cheese, it felt like the cheese was lost. Like maybe he accidentally put the cheese on, like it just didn't feel like it fit in. It's like when you get like extra meat at Guzman or something like that, where you're like, this should be good, but it feels like the balance is off or something. It just felt like maybe the cheese didn't belong there. I'm not sure. I don't know if anyone else has had experience with this, but I think I just want to send out a warning shot to the absolute rat bags that listen to this pod that, hey, just because you can afford a $12 bar me doesn't mean you should, okay? Don't get too reckless in there. Stick to the classics, okay? Stick to the classics. But anyway, good episode inbound uh, as I continue to hype up this podcast that I'm doing right now. We got some cricket happening out there. I won't be really chatting about the cricket this week because it's one day and 2020 international cricket. As I've said previously, I don't believe one day cricket is real. I think the last one day international cricket series that was ever played was between Australia, England and Sri Lanka in 2007. And I enjoyed it. What a way for that format to go out. And honestly, dude, Australia is playing... South Africa, I think, in a one-day cricket series in South Africa. Dude, if you're waking up at 2am to watch Australia play South Africa in an ODI, just call her, okay? Just pick up the phone and call her. See if you can work things out, you know? People say crazy things in the moment. Just tell her how you feel, mate, okay? This isn't worth it. If your mental health is at a point 
where you are filling up some of your precious time on God's green earth, watching guys in the 30th over knock the ball around, waiting for the 40th until they can resume playing the game, it is just call her or seek professional help because it's not worth it. And I'm looking at these squads. They're both playing at the same time. The 2020 squad just looks like a, it looks like an Australia A development squad, but I don't care what they develop into. If 2020 cricket's going to become a franchise game like the EPL, they should play just the World Cup every four years. I don't need to see us play New Zealand in a series that means less than nothing with half the blokes I've never heard of. So I'm not sure. I, I don't think there'll be many people attending these games. So it must just be ravenous Indians watching on telly. I have no idea why these games are being played. And it just seems silly. Like Aaron Hardy, I was reading an article, Aaron Hardy got picked for the one-day squad. And they're like, this kid's a bolter. His Sheffield Shield record is unbelievable. He's like the next Cameron Green. He's tall. He can do this. He's going to be the next one-day gun. And it's like, mate, by the time Aaron Hardy develops into a phenomenal one-day international cricketer, that format's not going to exist anymore, dude. So who gives a fuck about any of this, dude? And yeah, so there's cricket on, but it's not anything I'm particularly into. Anyway, this has been just a really poor start to this podcast. Barn me's into one-day cricket. Two of the more frivolous topics we've ever seen. But let's crack into the week that was. I've actually got a few yarns uh, from my time in Sydney. And then I'll do some yarns about Porto Escondido in Mexico. Or Mexico, as the locals say. So, over the weekend, I had the pleasure and the privilege of opening for my mate Luke Kidgel at his Sydney shows. And I've opened for Luke for years we're mates, so it's always an absolute time and a half. But this time was a little different. And more theatre, four shows, 1,600 people each show. Absolutely wild. And the first show was at 6pm, which is also wild in and of itself. I've never really seen a show this early. So it was wild. I was at work and then like an hour later, I'm backstage at the Enmore Theatre, ready to go. So it was it was absolutely crazy. And dude, 1,600 people, biggest show I've ever done, I'm pretty sure. I've done the Canberra Theatre years ago. I think that's like 1,200. And I did Melbourne Town Hall years and years ago. I think that's also like 1,200. So biggest show I've ever done, biggest show Luke's ever done as well, which I was surprised to hear because he's literally the biggest comedian in Australia. Sometimes on his Instagram, it looks like there's like 5,000 people there. So we were going into battle together, which was cool. Comedy is such a weird thing, dude, because I'll do stand-up comedy like five nights a week. And you think, these five nights, I did stand-up comedy, but it's not the same. It's not like, it's kind of like cricket, how it's got different formats. Like one night, I'm hosting to 100 people. Next night, I'm trying new jokes to 20. Next night, I'm doing 400 people trying to smash, you know? Like, it's all different skills, different vibes, different personalities. I don't even know. So, it's a bit weird because I'm side of stage at the Enmore Theatre, 1,600 people. Luke's on the back announce mic. He's like, Sydney, make some noise. It sounded 
wild out there, dude. Like, so loud. 1,600 people. Here we go. Fucking fire it up, Bill. The night before, I had bombed trying new jokes to 20 people. If, if that, maybe a gentleman's 18. I might be trying to impress you by rounding up to 20. So it's like <laughs> 24 hours earlier, I'm bombing with jokes about hostels in Guatemala to 18 people. Now, <laughs> they're like, welcome to the stage, Billy Darcy. And I'm walking out to 1600. So it's a bit of a mind fuck. And look, dude, to be honest, like it's pretty bloody scary with a crowd this big. It's kind of like big wave surfing. And you don't get the opportunities to play these big theatres very often when your career's uh, at where mine is. You know, I'll, I'll paddle into a few six to 800 seaters each year. Uh, maybe if I host like, I host those Sydney Comedy Festival road shows and maybe I'll host a uni gig where you'll get like maybe 800 at some of the bigger ones. But six to 800 people, yeah, dude, I'll... I'll paddle in, no no harm, no foul. But dude, 1,600, this is proper get the jet ski out stuff. I'm going to need to be towed into this thing. And dude, first show, I walk out there, I grab the mic, and my hand was literally shaking a little bit. It's one of those things when you first start stand-up comedy, your hand is like kind of shaking with the microphone because you're so nervous. Obviously, it never really happens anymore, except for this moment. But I've been doing stand-up for a while, so it was like my hand was shaking, but I was more thinking like, lol, as if your hand's shaking right now. Like it wasn't, my hand was shaking, but I was more like, I can't believe it's shaking. This is crazy. And I go, hey, Sydney, how you going? Straight off the bat, first show, 1,600 people. This guy just screams out, fuck you. Like so loud, dude. And my hand's shaking and I'm freaking out. And it was actually pretty funny. It made me less nervous because I was kind of like, of course. You know, wherever you go, there you are. And I think in stand-up comedy, you think one day when I make it to the Enmore Theatre or, or something, when I'm on telly or when Nova 969 return my calls, one day when I make it, I won't have to put up with any of this bullshit anymore. You know, blokes in pubs telling me to kill myself. But then Enmore Theatre sold out, unbelievable, beautiful theatre, didn't even get to say a single joke before I'm getting abused. So wherever you go, there you are. It was actually good the guy did it so early because he literally spooked me and I just went like, oh, Jesus Christ. And then I just kept going with the show. Like if he had said that to me five minutes in and let's say maybe I'm doing well with the crowd... You know, my jokes are sort of hitting, as it were. Maybe I get into it with him. Maybe th- maybe the wheels come off a little bit. So he, he, he abused me so early that I just didn't really have time to do anything about it. Also, I'm on, I'm on the clock. It's not my show. I can't be getting into it with ever, every absolute pelican who has a fucking go at me. Okay? So the shows went unreal. Every show over the weekend was better than the last. Like, the Saturday second show was just absolutely face-melting. Like, I was watching Luke, and he was just leveling, dude. Just leveling. It was crazy. And it was so much fun. I remember in the first show, 
on the Friday. I had one line like three minutes in that didn't really get a big laugh, and which is fine. But like you sort of, I told a joke and it got like a pretty minor laugh. And then there's just like, a, I just took a beat and I just looked out to the theater and it's just kind of silent. And I remember thinking, I just sort of looked over the edge of like, oh, dude, you could get proper fucked up up here. Like if you bombed to 1600 people, that would be absolutely traumatizing. Like you'd know about it, dude. It'd be a proper, like your week would be fucked. That'd be like, take seven days off. Just have a cigarette with your morning coffee because who gives a shit, dude? You got way bigger problems than the health the health uh, ramifications of punching darts, you know? So I just had one moment where I thought, oof, okay, okay. And then my next punchline, I thought, fuck, if I flood this, I could actually be in a bit of, bit of trouble here. But whatever, dude, it was all good. And the green room at the Enmore Theatre is literally bigger than the apartment I lived in, in Fairlight. It's crazy, dude. It's like a four-bedroom house down there. There's a living room, a lounge room, a kitchen. There's like four dressing rooms, three bathrooms. Oh, it's so sick, dude. Like the staff treat you so nicely. They're like, can I get you anything? I'm like, excuse me, sir. Why aren't you spitting on me right now? Okay. Why aren't I groveling for a half price beer? So it was fantastic to have a peek into what success looks like. And it's pretty cool, actually, because when I first started opening for Luke, he was playing to like 200 people at the Pado RSL, which is still sick, you know? But that was before TikTok and all this stuff. So it's very cool to watch his his climb to the top. And it's even cooler for me to grab onto his coattails. But man, it was unreal. Uh, oh, yeah. On the Saturday night, I met Ned Brockman. So this is another thing. So Ned Brockman is a massive Luke Kidgel fan and came to the Saturday first show or second show. I can't remember. But he came into the green room and just unreal, dude. Really nice guy, obviously. He's one of those guys where you shake his hand like you're shaking his fucking hand, okay? Give this man some eye contact. When you shake Ned Brockman's hand, give him some eye contact because I tell you what, he's given you some, okay? He's one of those guys where when you meet him, you're like, oh, this guy actually is talking to me, you know? He's just an absolute legend. Uh, he said he'd actually seen one of my videos on the internet. He said he saw the one where I was talking to the guy who worked in epigenetics and he said it was funny. And I said, oh, yeah, cheers, Ned. I go, traditionally, Matt, i got a no nerds policy at my show, but that bloke must have snuck in somehow. And Ned did not laugh like at all, okay? He was like, yeah, right, and then just sort of went back to talking to Luke. So that was one my one moment in the sun with one of Australia's true heroes, and I completely blew it. A man who actively campaigns uh, for equality, and uh, I just went straight into bully mode to try and impress him, and it immediately backfired in my face. So I blew that, but Luke was able to bond with him, and he was there to see Luke, so that was for the best. I remember Ned Brockman asked Luke, he goes, he goes, mate, like all this touring, is it exhausting? And Luke's like, mate, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I'm exhausted flying around Australia in planes. 
Like, Ned Brockman basically did Luke's tour, but on foot. So, <laughs> absolutely crazy. And it was just an absolutely... It was one of the funnest times ever. Afterwards, we went to Vic on the Park and had a great night out. So, what a time to be alive. Just one of the best weekends ever, to be honest. <laughs> I had so much fun. Also, I recorded an episode of BTL with uh, Luke and Tyler... I was the B in the scenario as Blake Pavey uh, was somewhere else. So <clears throat> if you like the BTL podcast, that's coming out in a few weeks, they said. So keep an eye out for that. Anyway, up next, I want to crack back into some yarns from Mexico, specifically Porto Escondido. Okay, so we flew from Mexico City to Porto Escondido. Porto Escondido, if you're not familiar, it's like a beach party town in Mexico sort of towards the bottom of the country. Double check that. I just made it up. But anyway, we fly in. It's kind of like, it's a tiny airport, dude. It's like a one runway airport. And our hostel was like a 20 minute walk from the airport. And we only had carry on. That's the other thing. We only had carry on for this whole trip because Fiji Airways wanted to charge us like $400 each way for carry on. And I remarked to Macker, I said, $400 each way for carry-on. That's a bit of bloody carry-on from them, if you ask me. And uh, honestly, it was like I was talking to Ned Brockman. Macker gave me nothing on that as well. So good to just bomb in front of close friends, celebrities, you know, get it out of the way, get the stinkers out in the privacy of my own life. But yeah, so we walked from the airport to our hostel, which we thought was so cool, you know, just boots on the ground. Don't need to fucking worry about it getting scammed by some taxi. We're out here, dude. Porto Escondido, though, it is so hot. Every day is like 38 degrees. And at night, minimum temperature at like 1 a.m. is 30. And then also, on top of that, Mexico has no air conditioning or pretty much none. Or none at the hostels we could afford. I should maybe clarify that statement. But yeah, dude, so Puerto Escondido is so hot and yeah, like it is brutal. We were absolutely dripping by the time we got to the hostel. On the way, a bloke tried to sell us a live turtle, uh, which we declined, okay? I'm not looking to get on board of security anytime soon. But yeah, Puerto Escondido is a wild place, dude. Immediately, we rock up. This pommy bloke, Woody, is in the bunk below me and he goes, mate, Get ready for absolutely one of the worst sleeps of your life. Uh, the Like, all you get is a fan and it's like a 12-bed dorm. So, you've got all the heat of everyone sleeping in there. Plus, it's 30 degrees at 1 a.m. Plus, you've had 14 schooners. I mean, I was waking up in Puerto Escondido just like... It was like SpongeBob, that episode he goes on land. Like, just dried out, dude. Okay? I remember one morning after like... And it's a party town as well, so you're waking up hungover. I remember one morning, I woke up just so hungover, like midday in my undies, just dripping with sweat, and I've got no bottled water. And you can't drink the tap water in Puerto Escondido, and especially at one of the hostels we stayed at. It was coming out brown, okay? So you've got to walk like 500 meters to the shop, in like shorts, just so hungover, like water, water. Like there were homeless guys in Mexico coming up to me, like giving me some pesos. Like I just look like shit out there, dude. 
So anyway, it's a wild town. Uh, the beaches are crazy. There's like full-on localism at the surf break. So Porto Escondido, there's this one break in the middle of the beach at Zicatella where it gets up to like 40-foot waves or something, like proper proper Enmore Theatre jet ski shit, okay? So unfortunately, there was no swell when I was there. I went like three times to Zicatella to see the big waves and because one of my favorite things to do is watch big waves uh, with a coffee and talk to other surfers as if I can surf, uh, which I cannot really. So didn't get to do that. But there's proper localism at the beaches. I was talking to one of the guys who worked at the hostel. Like if you have any stickers on your surfboard, you will get punched in the face. They hate pros and they hate people like paddling out thinking like they're hot shit. Um, he said this one pommy guy who like had never really surfed before. He'd only surfed a little bit. He bought like some like uh, board off a off a guy and it had like some stickers on it. And the guy was like, oh, you better take the stickers off. They don't really like stickers around here. And the pommy guy was like, dude, the stickers look sick. Who gives a fuck? And the guy paddled out and they beat the shit out of him because they thought he was a pro. And he's some pommy guy who surfed like three times in his life. So not only could he not surf, so he would have had a tough time out there anyway. And there's other breaks in Porto that are like just normal waves, not like big waves. Uh, so not only could he not surf, he paddled out, got punched in the face and then paddled back in. So <laughs> how's your holiday going, brother? You stupid pom, you know? But yeah, so really fun. What do we get up to? Porto Escondido was just a party town and Maca just... I couldn't keep up with Macca in Porto Escondido. He was on fire in Porto, dude. And yeah, so first night, there's this dolphin and turtle tour you can do where you drive out on a boat to the middle of like whatever ocean it is and see turtles and dolphins. And it's like one of the main things to do in Porto Escondido. But you have to get up at 6 a.m. to get picked up by a ute uh, to do it. So I go, mate. Let's just get this thing out of the way first night. Let's not circuit. Get up at 6 a.m. and uh, knock this thing over. And then we can sort of get on the piss the rest of the week we're here. Mac is like, sounds good, mate. We end up drinking a fair few beers, blazing away, making some friends at the hostel, uh, which was great because we didn't make too many friends at our last hostel. Re, uh, the only two blokes in our room were devout Muslims who didn't drink, which is great for them. Okay, I wish them the best, but as far as our mission on this holiday, we're not really lining up. So great to meet some uh, met some poms. Love poms, dude. Just love them, and having a good time. I went to bed at like two, uh, not two a.m. like like twelve thirty. Okay, which what you're thinking, Bill? That's still pretty late considering you're getting up at quarter to six to go see turtles. Maka goes out till 5 a.m. He literally has 20 minutes of sleep. And this is like, this is just the pace this bloke's setting. I think, I don't know. I don't know if I'm aging quicker than Maka or what, but I just cannot, I can't like do it at that pace as much as him anymore. Because I think in my civilian life, I'm just, my day job is to tour around and get hammered and then, we go on holiday to tour around and get hammered and I think my body's starting to break down. But anyway, so Mac is on half an hour's sleep. We get picked up by this ute at like 6 a.m. It's just some guy who says like dolphins get in. We're like unreal. And then 
We go get on this boat. It's us, like six of the hottest Mexican women you've ever seen, and then like two like older couples. We drive out on this boat at like 6 a.m. It's pretty sick. Like all these boats are heading out there. We saw a couple of dolphins. We saw some turtles. I will say when you see turtles in the ocean, they're just kind of, they're just milling around. They're not doing heaps. But uh, at one point you get to uh, swim in the ocean, which is sick. It's like middle of the ocean off the Mexican coast, like turquoise water. It does feel like you're going to get eaten by a tiger shark, but it's also pretty fun. And it was really hard to get back into the boat. So, Maka, like, I get into this ladder. It's one of those things where, like, the ladder only has, like, two rungs on it. So, you've got to grab the rung above you and then sort of shoot your legs up to the first rung and then, like, pull yourself up. And Maka's a lot stronger than me. And I I really struggled with it. You know, it was tough. And the, the Mexican girls, you know, all these hot Mexican chicks, they flew up this ladder, okay? I don't know if they practice Pilates in their spare time, but they absolutely made this thing look easy. I honestly had a tough time, but it was one of those things where I just poker faced it, where it looked like I was casually climbing this ladder, but I was actually using every inch of strength I had in my body. And anyway, dude, so Maka gets on the ladder after me and Maka, you know, Maka's in great shape. He hits the gym. I'm thinking no harm, no foul. Maka, like... (laughs) Maka falls off the, like, he gets up one rung and then, like, is falling back off it and then goes. <laughs> Maka screams out to this, the older Mexican guy. He goes, Senor. <laughs> he goes, Senor, help, Senor. <laughs> like, the Mexican guy grabs Maka's arm, but, like, doesn't get him in time. And Maka falls back into the ocean. And all the Mexican chicks are looking. <laughs> <laughs> and then here's the thing is everyone seen him fall, fall back into the ocean and now I'm like oh fuck Mac is in a spot of bother here because it's clear that he's gonna have a really tough time coming up this ladder and it, it's tough this ladder like the ladder's like out of the ocean you're in the middle of the ocean so you can't you know you're in like 40 meters worth of water or whatever there's nothing to grab onto you've got to get your legs like up above your head and pull yourself up like it is quite tricky but now all the hot Mexican chicks are looking and Maka knows he's up against it. I know he's up against it. And there's like two, like the two older Mexican guys are like at the ladder now. Like, <laughs> so Maka has a second crack at the ladder. Two like older Mexican guys are pulling him up. I probably should have got in there as well. Honestly, like I am crying laughing at this point. I can't even control myself. And... It's one of those things where I think the Mexican chicks wouldn't have laughed as hard as they did, but they saw me laughing. So, they're like, oh, his friend's laughing, you know, whatever. It's fine to laugh. So, we're all laughing our head off. Anyway, these Mexican guys, they pull him up the ladder, but then Maka, they pull him up with such force that when he jumps over the ladder, he slips over and slides across the boat like on his ass. It was so funny, dude. Like, Everyone is just crying, laughing. Vaca's sliding across. It's like when you get a fish in the boat and it's like off the hook, just going nuts. Like that's kind of what it was. But it was Maka on this boat. Oh my God. It was the funniest thing I've ever seen. So anyway, all right. I'm kind of, oh man, I'm really dragging my feet through this thing. All right. Sorry, guys. Uh, I'll try and edit out some of the garbage of this episode. But anyway. Oh yeah, we get back to the boat. It was so f- we get back to the beach. It was so funny. We're like 
We go to the boat driver like, gracias, senor. Unbelievable. Give him the 500 pesos or whatever. The Mexican chicks are blown up. They're like, want a refund because we only saw three dolphins. They're like, you, you said we would see like 50 dolphins. We only saw three. I want a refund. So we left them there. <laughs> they were like arguing with the guy in Spanish. Um, but yeah, anyway, back at the hostel. So we stayed in two hostels. One of them had a pool and was we made heaps of friends, but it was a bit out of town. And the other one was right in uh, La Punta, in like the trendy part of town. So the one with the pool, the only food po- poisoning I got the whole trip was from the free hostel breakfast at the Tower Bridge Hostel. Uh, one of the Mexican staff members who everyone called El Jefe because Mac has started his nickname, The Boss. Uh, every morning he made like eggs on toast for everyone. And the one time I had it, just unbelievable diarrhea. And one of the pommy blokes, Woody, he kept going back. Like the eggs were unbelievable, but it was clear he didn't wash his hands. And he was obviously using tap water in some way, shape or form because... My God, they were great eggs, but yeah, that was the that was the only food poisoning I got. And we get back from the dolphin trip. Hostel Alpha affirmed himself immediately. This bloke Rhino from Perth just sitting there. We walk in. He's sitting there, chest tattoo, punching a dart. First beer cracked at eleven thirty a.m. Just holding court at one of the tables. Me and Mac and you were in the presence of a genuine alpha, and we filed into line as his second and third right-hand men. So, he was a bloody legend. We head out that night for a proper night out this time. We got the dolphin thing out of the way. And so, basically, in Zicatella, there's all these clubs. And as you go into the club, they will fucking search you from head to toe. Like, you can't even wear a hat in some of these clubs. you got to, like, check it in. You can't take any gum in. Very strict on the search. Okay? Do not try to sneak drugs into Mexican nightclubs. Because one Aussie chick did and they like full butt naked strip searched her in the bathroom. I think she was traumatized beyond belief. So the thing is, they'll strip search you for drugs. But then as soon as you get in, you can buy whatever drug you want. Because the cartels in Mexico now, and they don't care if you're doing drugs, but they just want to make sure you're buying their drugs. They don't want you bringing in non-cartel drugs to cartel clubs. So... No one told me this, okay? Now, I didn't try to sneak any drugs in, but now we have a situation where uh, Billy Darcy's rolled in, and I'm going to talk about myself in the third person because I do believe I was another person this particular night, okay? Now, we have this situation where we roll in. Mexico City was so strict. There was police everywhere. Puerto Escondido, we barely saw a cop. The only cop we saw was we were drinking on the street one night, which is a bit iffy in Mexico, and Maka tried to hail down a taxi, but it was really dark and it was actually a police car. So you got two two tall gringo pieces of shit drinking beers on the street, hailing down a cop car. I mean, we're lucky to be alive. Um, we literally threw our beers down and ran away. Um, we didn't run away, but we walked away with some vigor. So anyway... That was really the only cop we saw in Mexico and they didn't arrest us even though Maca pretty much asked them to. So then we get into fucking this club in Zicatella. I've had 14 schooners and we walk into a situation where guys are just offering you every drug available, okay? And that's fine. 
that's fine for the people of Mexico to enjoy their narcotics in such an open and free market. I'm just saying that maybe put a sign up because some Aussie guys don't have the best self-control and now the you know everything's fucking $2 Australian and we have a situation where I just wrote myself off beyond belief um, because I wasn't prepared to say no to all the all the extracurricular activities at this particular club. Okay, so I was literally like, just, I don't even know, dude. I thought I was bluey from that cartoon at one point. I was all over the map, completely fucked, okay? So just a heads up that if you go to Porto Escondido, you know, get ready to say no to some stuff or say yes, but just be prepared because I wasn't prepared and I absolutely wrote myself off. But it's so fun, dude. And if you stay away from the hard stuff and don't absolutely pile drive yourself into the ground... It's so fun because you can just buy massive joints off like 14-year-old Mexican kids for like five Australian dollars. And it's so sick, dude. All the chicks are just blazing their head off over there. It's all just techno and rigatone. We met this chick, Alexa, who was like the hottest Mexican woman I've ever seen in my life. Someone goes, uh, where's Alexa? And then they go, oh, there she is. And we turn around and Alexa is with the DJ in the booth blazing two massive joints at once, just going nuts. Like the culture over there, it's just fantastic. I, I love it. I absolutely love it. Okay, so I absolutely disgraced myself that first night. Then the next day, we were supposed to move hostels. It was one of those things where 11 a.m. checkout, I checked out at 11 a.m. and said, my flight is at like 6 p.m. I did not have a flight. I'm leaving my bag here. And then I just jumped in the pool and blacked out in a hammock for like four hours. I couldn't move, okay? I couldn't move. We eventually moved to the next hostel and uh, we walk in. How's this? Rhino, the hostel alpha, had also moved hostels that day. We walk in, new hostel, same deal, punching darts, shirtless, holding court. I've never seen a bloke operate like this. It was a real privilege to be around him. But we walk into this next hostel and immediately like Pommy, it was like a Pommy Russell Brand guy, again, chest tattoo. Like imagine Russell Brand, but he's like got blonde hair and a and a fringe and like really tanned. He this guy was like Jack Sparrow, the guy who worked at this hostel. And he was just so high all the time. And he's like, All right, bruv, you guys staying here or or what's all this then? And I said, Yeah, we're staying here. He goes, All right, mate. He said, What's your name? And he takes me in there and he goes, All right, bruv, you're in bed A here. Just here, bruv. This is you. And he takes me to a bed that is obviously someone else is staying in. There's stuff everywhere. And I said, mate, it looks like someone's already sleeping here. And he goes, oh, bruv, shit, mate. I think you're right. All right, stay here, mate. Not to worry. Not to worry. And he's just so high. He eventually finds me a bed. And, uh, man, this guy was absolutely hilarious. He was, He would just sit at reception, just rolling up absolute baseball bats 24 7 and it was hilarious dude he was like maca was like uh we were walking to lunch or something maca was like oh mate can i have a hit of that and he was like yeah bruv absolutely anytime bruv yeah and uh maca goes mate uh so how many of these things you're knocking over a day he goes oh bruv oh used to be bad yeah now if i can get to like 2 p.m not so bad yeah get to 2pm, bash out a bit of FIFA, that sort of thing. 
He goes, I'm down to like five or six a day. And he's talking about that like that was a good thing. Like he was now on top of his habit. Five to six a day. And when I say five to six a day, you could assault a man with one of these things. You could walk into a man's house with one of these joints this bloke rolled up and cave a bloke's skull in and steal his telly. They were huge, okay? And we said, what were you doing before that? He was like, oh, bruv, honestly, mate, like 10 to 15, yeah? Yeah, it was bad, mate. It was bad. And he goes, first thing in the morning, ah, it's a day gone, isn't it? You know, one of these, first thing in the morning, day's gone, bruv. Day's gone. Like, he was absolutely hilarious. We called him Jack Sparrow, and behind his back, obviously, but he was hilarious, dude. And uh, anyway, we just went out every night till like 5 a.m. in Porto Escondido. It was crazy. After that first night, I was able to stay away from the majority of the narcotics and just blaze away and sink like tequila sodas. And I got to put my hand up. Fuck, that's a great town. Porto Escondido, dude, just look, the heat is absolutely fucking relentless, but just go there and party your face off. It's so good, dude. It's so good. The last night, every single night, there's a party. And it's like uh, Wednesday nights, you go to Marijuana, which is his club. Thursday nights are like Oksana. Friday night is fucking Zikatella or something. Like every night, everyone goes to the same place. So then Sunday night, at this point, uh, you know, Maka has been elected the mayor of Porto Escondido. He's, he's driving through the main strip. They've got like all these Mexicans are holding him up on one of those chairs the queen rolls around on. You know, they're fanning him with palm fronds. Uh, he's absolutely killing it. I am just, I'm like Mr. Burns, that episode where the doctor's like, all the diseases are in the doorway and and Mr. Burns is like, so I'm invincible. And the doctor's like, no, even a stiff breeze could kill you. Okay, that's the state I'm in. I, I haven't had a drop of water in four days. I miss my ex-girlfriend. It's all happening, dude. Okay, but we're having a great time. It's the last night. I go, I'm not going out. We've done like four nights on the bounce. And the, the two nights we didn't go out, so we had the first night, didn't go out, but we had like 10 beers, stayed up till midnight. Macca went out to 5 a.m. The next night, we took edibles and had like eight beers as well. At this hostel in Porto Escondido, they sold edibles at the bar. Like you could, you could be like, uh, could, I get, could I get like fucking two Tecates and two cookies? Yeah, I mean, it's just a great town, Porto Escondido. I can't speak highly enough of the culture surrounding this place. And anyway, the last night they go, there's this like abandoned building where they do like a, a party and it's like a massive barbecue. So I'm thinking, fuck yeah, dude, I'll just have a couple of beers, have some of this barbecue. They're doing like Mexican chicken or whatever. No harm, no fear. We get there. It's like a fucking rave, dude. It like it's like an abandoned building rave where they're also pumping out all this food. Fuck, it was good, and it's impossible to not circuit when their vibes are this high. So then I have a couple of beers, have a feed, and then you know you you see a fourteen year old Mexican kid. If you see a fourteen year old in a in a club in Mexico, he's not lost, dude. He's conducting business, okay. So I go to my little amigo, I said, oh no, baseball bat, por favor, let's fucking have it. And then next thing you know, we're, 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 we're off onto another circuit. We went, we got to like 10 p.m. I'm like, 
we're not going out again, Macca. This is craziness, dude. But then obviously we do. Everyone from the hostel, we're on. We're walking to this next club. Bit of a pub crawl environment. This French beta male took over the pub crawl. Traditionally, if there's any sort of pub crawl environment overseas, I will assert myself into that situation um, because I have a massive ego and I desperately crave the approval of others. Uh, but this French guy took over. Macca was into me. This guy had no chat and a pretty average fucking neck tattoo. So Macca was into me being like, this guy's carrying the pub crawl. What happened to you, Darcy? But this French guy ended up spending most of the walk getting absolutely blasted by his missus. So no harm, no foul there. And I wish him the best. And I remember just before when we were going to the next venue, classic Poms. I remember one of the Poms, Woody, he goes, Bill, it's your last night. You've got to come out. Like, I was the wet blanket of the group. This is Porto Escondido, right? I've had eight beers and two joints, and I'm also the wet blanket. I mean, fuck knows what goes on in this town, dude. Like, it's crazy. And this Pommy guy, Woody's like, it's your last night. You've got to come out, Bill. You've got to come out. And I go, fine, I'll come out. He goes, good. We're going to this place. Heads up. If it's shit, I'm leaving straight away. So that's Poms for you. <laughs> moaning about a venue we haven't even fucking got to yet so uh not a lot of tickets shown by woody but he ended up hanging around and uh and yeah what an absolute time we left the next day on a night bus and honestly thank god we like by the time we left i was like get me the fuck out of this place okay but porto escondido highly recommend it's a party town go enjoy yourself okay just a couple of things to end this thing's dragged a bit, dude. I never know how long anything's going to go. Like something that I think is literally nothing. Like just need to say something just to start the podcast. Like that barn me thing at the start with the cheese. What even was that? I think just talk for two minutes about barn me's just to start. You know, you just got to start the podcast with something. And then that goes for like eight minutes for some reason. And then other stuff where I'm like, this is just a 35-minute extravaganza, it goes for like one minute. So I never know. I never know what's going on. But anyway, up next, I just want to talk briefly about this Dylan Dennis versus Logan Paul boxing match. Now, if you're not familiar with Dylan Dennis, that's okay. Not many people are. He was Conor McGregor's jiu-jitsu coach, and he's just like kind of big on social media as like a bit of a troll. Everyone knows Logan Paul. Uh, He's just... He's Logan Paul, okay? I think that's the best way to describe that man uh, without sort of either just having a go at him or being weird about what he is because it's very hard to describe what Logan Paul is. He's Logan Paul, okay? But so what's happened is Logan Paul is boxing Dylan Dennis and everyone hates Dylan Dennis, okay? But also a lot of people dislike Logan Paul. And I don't mind Logan Paul, but also I dislike him. You know, he's a hard guy to read. And so the whole thing is Logan Paul's going to box Dylan Dennis. Dylan Dennis is a jiu-jitsu guy. He can't box at all. Logan Paul can't box, but he can box a bit more than Dylan Dennis. And also, he's on steroids. So you've got a guy who's on steroids and can box a little bit against a guy who's not on steroids and can't box at all. So everyone's keen for this. We all want to see Dylan Dennis get knocked out. Logan Paul has recently got engaged to this chick, Nina, who gives a fuck who's like a big model apparently. And yeah, so what's happened is 
And like I said, the whole narrative is that Logan Paul is going to knock out Dylan Dennis, who everyone hates. How good's this? Dylan Dennis has come in and just started absolutely mercilessly ripping into Logan Paul, just absolutely wiping the floor with this guy, both on social media and at the press conference. At the press, like he's tweeted out, Dylan Dennis has tweeted out about 75 pictures of and I'm not joking, I, I saw, a, I read it 75, of Nina, Logan's fiance, with 75 different guys. It's clear that Nina has had a lot of uh, partners in the past, which is fine, it's her business. And basically, the whole vibe of Dylan Dennis's banter or trash talk towards Logan Paul is that, more or less, your wife is an absolute whore and a half, Okay which traditionally would be in poor taste. I think everyone, you know, they say in trash talk, no religion or family stuff, which I think is fair enough. Um, And traditionally, I would be like, mate, keep this bloke's missus name out of your mouth. It's kind of in poor taste. But at the same time, it's Logan Paul, and it's kind of fucking hilarious. It's like, man, this Dylan Danner stuff, I wouldn't say it, but also I can't stop watching it. And then also Logan Paul scammed his fans out of millions of dollars with this crypto scam and is also marketing diabetes to children with this prime energy drink stuff like the prime energy drink isn't even legal in australia the red bull version it's got like six times the amount of caffeine as normal red bull and americans american 11 year olds are starting their day with this shit so the amount of heart disease on logan paul's hands in america is beyond the pale and here's the thing logan paul No one really likes him that much. And now you've got this situation. It's so funny where Logan Paul set up this fight to be the good guy and everyone's going to love him for knocking out Dylan Dennis. And now, not only does everyone think Dylan Dennis is hilarious, not only is everyone overlooking the fact Dylan Dennis is clearly a despicable guy, not only does everyone hate Logan Paul and hope Dylan Dennis wins the fight, but everyone also now thinks that Logan Paul's fiance, the love of his life, is a whore. So I mean, you want to talk about you want to talk about something blowing up in your face? My God, dude, this is hilarious. Like Logan Paul is at this press conference, just sitting there while Dylan Dennis calls his wife a whore, and everyone is laughing their fucking heads off. And Logan Paul's comments on Instagram—I don't think he can post on Instagram anymore. He posted one time about the press conference and the comments are wild, dude. Go on Logan Paul's Instagram. It is so fun. And check out Dylan Dennis's Twitter. That's also pretty fun. And look, it's like I said, you can't condone what Dylan Dennis is doing. But at the same time, who doesn't want to see Logan Paul get mugged off? It's absolutely hilarious. And to be fair to Dylan Dennis, I'm not condoning his behavior But he did say all of the pictures he's using of Logan's girlfriend, they're just public pictures. They're just out there. They're on her Instagram. They're on Google Images and stuff. It's no revenge porn or anything like that. Nothing too weird. And look, it's clear that Logan Paul's missus belongs to the streets. You know, she's been out there. But here's the thing, dude. Like, it's not a crime to sleep with 100 guys in Hollywood, you know? It's it's really no one's business whatsoever. But you've just got this situation where 99 out of 100 guys would never bring up any of this stuff about a guy's missus. And you're boxing the one guy who doesn't give a fuck and is just going to town. Like Logan Paul made up a cake of Dylan Dennis, of him 
knocked out on the floor. And he's like, yeah, everyone can have a piece of this cake of Dylan getting knocked out. And the cake had like a mangina on it. And Logan Paul thought it was so funny. And that's really the problem with Logan and Jake Paul. Every time you try to like them, they're just not funny. Dude, if Jake Paul was funny, I could get on the train. I could so get on the train. But they're just not funny. And he's like, yeah, we're going to hand out a piece of cake to everyone. You can all have one. And Dylan Dennis is like, yeah, just like Logan's missus, you can all have a fucking go on it. And people are just falling out of their chairs, mate. And Logan's sitting there like he had no idea any of this was coming. Like he just looks so rattled. And you'd say the poor bloke if he wasn't a millionaire piece of shit. But dude, it's so funny. And it's like, fucking hell, dude. Poor Logan Paul, you know? The one time he thought, yes, everyone is going to think I'm the good guy for once. And now not only, imagine I go on television and I do an interview with a guy who calls my fiance a whore for 10 minutes. And then I get on Instagram and everyone thinks I'm a piece of shit, thinks my wife is a whore and thinks the guy who called her a whore is a bloody legend. That's where we're at. I mean, Logan Paul must be sitting in his house being like, what the fuck is going on, dude? And it's, that's the thing with these YouTube guys, dude. It's like if 14-year-olds got famous. Like, all their fans are 14 for a fucking reason. It's like if 14-year-olds got on the telly. They're like, your mum is a slut and she's fat. And it's like, what are we even doing right now, dude? You know, it's like when Jake Paul was trying to get a Conor McGregor fight. The, Conor McGregor, there's so many public incidents. There's so many hilarious things you could say about Conor McGregor. I mean, where would you begin? It's almost like you'd be cutting jokes when you're bouncing up Conor McGregor. I mean, there's so much shit Conor McGregor has done. And Jake Paul did a promo video where he goes, tell your fat whore of a wife to let you come out and box. And whatever you think of Conor McGregor, it's like that's the mother of his three children. And it's like, is that the best you could come up with? Like if there was a comedy writer's room, of jokes for Conor McGregor, like Jake Paul would have walked in and been like, we're just going to call his wife a fat whore. All right, everyone break for lunch. I think we're getting Guzman. Okay. <laughs> like what is happening, lads, you know? So that's absolutely hilarious. I look forward to that fight and fair play to Dylan Dennis because I didn't even give a fuck about this fight at all. KSI is boxing Tommy Fury on the same card. I don't know what KSI is. I don't understand him as a concept. I literally don't, I don't understand it at all. So I, th- I guess it's a Pommy thing. And Tommy Fury, it's hilarious, dude. The Tommy Fury is like, like he got past Jake Paul in a split decision and got dropped by him. Like it's crazy how bad Tommy Fury is at boxing. Uh, so I don't even know what that fight is. And this Logan Paul, Dylan Dennis thing was supposed to be the co-main event, bit of a bit of a, uh, you know, bit of an entree before you watch Tommy Fury and KSI. And now everyone's talking about the Logan Paul fight and Logan is crying himself to sleep. So, so funny, dude. So fucking funny. And while I don't condone what Dylan Dennis is doing, it's impossible to look away from Logan Paul getting mugged off. I mean, what a piece of shit that guy is. So anyway, last thing. Oh yeah, okay. The project for this week. This one is really dragged on. Sorry, team. I hope this is still palatable. The project for this week, dude. So, uh, the project is the segment 
where we celebrate Australian talent killing it here and abroad. And this week, uh, spoiler alert, I'm going to be talking about the television show Ahsoka, the Star Wars show. So the first two episodes came out last week. Spoilers alert if you haven't seen them. Not that I'm going to be breaking down the plot or anything too weird. But yeah, and I didn't write down her freaking name. Shit. Natasha Lou Bud. Natasha Lou Bordizzo. Okay. Awesome. I just want to make sure I got that right. Natasha Lou Bordizzo. Straight out of Sydney City, baby. Sydney City. City of the money makers, dude. What's happening? She plays Sabine Wren on Ahsoka. How good, dude. Congratulations to her. She's really good in it as well. She does look like Sabine from the show, which he's handy, but she's really good in it because... I mean, I don't know anything about acting, but she just fucking nails it, okay? And Rosario Dawson plays Ahsoka. Rosario Dawson is absolutely slaughtering that role. Like, I don't know how you could do a better job than her. And Ahsoka, it's such a good show because, well, firstly, there are a couple of things. Firstly, Ahsoka, there's just heaps of lightsaber battles. Like, in the first two episodes, there's like 74 lightsaber battles. And it's like, honestly, thank God. Okay? Call me old-fashioned. Call me old school. Call me whatever you want. Just don't call me late for dinner. Okay. Anyway, look. Call me old school. But here's the thing, dude. When I watch Star Wars, I want to see blokes with laser beam swords throw hands. I don't think that's too much to ask. And I love Bad Batch, I guess, and and or I didn't watch and all these shows at the end of the day with Star Wars as much as we love the storylines and the character development and they're in space and there's aliens and there's puppets and there's all this shit at the end of the day if I'm watching Star Wars at least once every half an hour I want to see a guy with a laser beam sword lop some bloke's head off I don't think that's too much to ask and Ahsoka Nail it with that, okay? Spoilers alert. There's two, like, dark Jedi. Dude, okay, this is how good Ahsoka is. One second into the show, two dark Jedi get off a plane or a fucking ship and just start lopping heads. So it's like, yeah, dude, I'm in. I'm so into this, okay? One of the dark Jedi is like a 22-year-old chick with a fringe. I'm not 100% sure if she's dark side or not yet, but if she's on the dark side, dude, I will join the dark side in a heartbeat. She's the hottest chick I've ever seen in my life, okay? I don't care what galaxy you're from. If you've got silver hair with a fringe and an orange lightsaber, I'm in, okay? Babe, just tell me how many younglings I have to decapitate to join your side of the force because I'm in, okay? I'm in with two feet and... The show is just really good. You know, it's like UFC. You know, UFC is great. I love it. But at the end of the day, when I'm watching UFC, I want to watch two blokes stand and bang, throw hands. I don't want to watch two guys wrestle. Okay? I love it when wrestlers in the UFC who are also boring personalities, like, say, why aren't I getting a title shot? It's because you're boring to watch and you would sell minus pay-per-views. It's the same with Star Wars, okay? As I just cut the shit and have cunts with lightsabers throwing hands and Ahsoka has nailed that. So 
There's so many, like, each scene is just, there's so much cool shit happening. You've got the two dark Jedi with orange lightsabers, and you've got Ahsoka with silver lightsabers. And there's Inquisitors on top of that. I mean, it's so good, dude. And Sabine has a green lightsaber. I didn't even know Sabine had a lightsaber, dude. And it's it's so sick. So... Yeah, Sabine, uh, you know, Natasha playing Sabine, she does, spoiler alert, get stabbed through the chest in episode two or episode one, maybe. And look, when when Sabine steals the map and then uh, loses it after unlocking the map, I did want to literally throw my laptop out my bedroom window. It was infuriating. And she gets stabbed in the chest with a lightsaber Luckily, in Star Wars now, there's this thing where you pretty much can't die unless they lop your head off and then chop your brain up into small pieces. And even then, they'd probably just give you a robot head. It actually pisses me off. Like, at some point in Star Wars, when someone dies, I do need them to stay dead. Otherwise, there's, like, no stakes to any battle. If two guys are fighting with a lightsaber... And a guy, you can get cut in half and still live. It's like, who gives a fuck about this battle, you know? It was like in Kenobi when uh, the the black woman, what was her name? Reva. Reva gets stabbed through the stomach with a lightsaber. And then next scene, she is sprinting. She's sprinting, like full out. Like, not only has she recovered, she's got like a band-aid over it. She got stabbed through the stomach puts a band-aid on it, and then is, like, running at peak performance, doing, like, force jumps and shit. So it's like, I don't even know. Like, in Star Wars, someone has to stay dead at some point. It is starting to piss me off. Um, but, yeah. I don't think I really have any other thoughts on this. Yeah. Also, I haven't watched Andor, and I didn't watch Tales of the Jedi, and I didn't watch Bad Batch Season 2. The last thing I watched was Kenobi. And that's how I like it, dude. I feel like with Star Wars and Marvel, they're just pumping out a little bit too much stuff. Let's get a bit more quality, not quantity. Because I love Star Wars, dude. and But I don't want to be watching Star Wars like year round. Like I like getting excited for it. I like, you know, getting heaps into it for two months and then taking a break. You know, you can have too much of a good thing. And... It's the same with Star Wars. Like, I'd rather they just bring out like two banging series a year, both of which feature blokes with lightsabers going nuts. Instead of like, you know, it's like, oh, we got a fucking 10 episode series about some smuggler with a gun. You don't even see a Jedi for like nine and a half episodes. Who gives a fuck, you know? So love Ahsoka. It's so good. Shout out to Natasha. She's absolutely killing it. And the show is just set up so well. She's, she's got the Mandalorian armor back on. We're ready to fucking go for episode three. So check out Ahsoka. That's the end of the podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. I was going to talk a bit more about Ahsoka, but I sort of run out of time here. I don't know why this went so long, but it did. Anyway, check out Rowan Arneal's stand-up shows next week. Link in the show notes for the shows in Sydney. And Rowan O'Neill's in the second half. It's probably the best episode we've ever recorded. That was a lot of fun. Thanks for listening. Way too long, way too long.
All right, legends, welcome back to yet another second half of Get Around Me with our darling boy, the Irish Wolfhound, <laughs> Rowan Arneal. What's doing? Not much. Just got off the clock, mate. Just got off the clock, mate. I noticed there's a beautiful stone chessboard on our coffee table. Second in the class. What can you do? Who got first? Uh, this w- she is a nerd, to be fair. She does put more effort in than me. You were beaten by a girl? No, don't know a, a lesbian, so... Oh, that's a power-up. That's a power-up. Mate, what a Mate. privilege to come second. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You were lucky to get on the podium. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and she's a G, so I let Haley take her thing, take number one. All hey. good, Haley. You love it more than me. Haley, it's nothing but respect. Yep. Um, you Dude, c- just say lesbian stonemason out loud. <laughs> I don't think there's a lesbian stonemason on the planet who isn't absolutely killing it. Dude, it was so funny. Um, one of, In, like, the first week, when, like, before the classes were going to be broken up, and one of the girls I mates with was, um, like, to her, like, oh, me and another one of the girls. Oh, sorry. This is at TAFE for stonemasonry. Yeah. yeah, yeah. For anyone who's not familiar, Rowan is an artist across several genres. Yeah. Laughs, stone. <laughs> stone. And that's kind of it. Um, pretty good removalist as well. And pretty good garbo, not that good driving the truck. There were some accidents in the record books. But she was, like, to... Um, her, oh, me and Anna are, Anne are going to be in 1B if you want to be with the girl, like, kind of stick together, like, a little bit. And like, a bit of a crew. Bit of a crew. I well, love like, a just, crew. Just let the lady know that this is where the other two ladies are going to be if you want to be with the ladies. And just the look of, like, confusion on her face of being like, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> she doesn't hang out with us at all. She smokes ciggies outside. Oh, dude. I'm like, dude, yeah, true. Yeah, all good. <laughs> dude, that is unreal. Um, mate, what is it? Are cigarettes making a comeback? Cause, or is it because we live in the city now? But I swear to God, I'm seeing a lot of people just annihilate darts. Um, yeah, probably more than the beaches. But on a night out in the beaches, no one smokes now. No one. No one. Dude, yeah. I was fiending for a ciggy the other night and I did a quick scan around the beer garden with my eyes. Yeah. Pretty much exclusively vapes. Yeah, all vapes. Which is fine for everyone else. Yeah, but but Billy's I'm, Billy's better than that. I can't handle the heat. No, I'm not. I'm not good enough. <laughs> yeah. I wish I was better than that. <laughs> yeah. I can't handle the heat of those beautiful vapes. But anyway, mate. Obviously, we are one week out from top of the food chain. Your debut stand-up show. Top of the food chain. So exciting, dude! How, and I was privy. I, I got a look behind the curtain the other night. Oh, did you? When was this? Oh, mate, what are you talking about? It was an iconic night for Australian comedy. What night was this? Okay, let me read the lineup. The first three acts on last Wednesday's lineup. Oh, oh, fucking hell. I don't know if anyone's familiar with these names. You're such a dog. All right, continue, continue. No, mate, I'm I'm bigging you up, brother. I'm bigging you up. But, mate, so here's the deal. This is last Wednesday's lineup. I don't know if you've heard of these three fellas. Yep. A lot of testosterone in the room. They They had to put a warning. They said, $15 entry, I'll let you know. Hell of a lot of testosterone in the room. A lot of alphas, okay? Um, I think they targeted the Facebook ad to people who follow Andrew Tate because that was the vibe of the show, dude. 100%. 100%. Winners talking about winning, okay? That's what comedy's all about. <laughs> <laughs> Punching down, bragging. Don't you guys know what comedy is? <laughs> yeah. I own an apartment block. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, dude, so it was uh, yours truly hosting, Billy Darcy, 
Second gig back from Mexico. Was I rusty? Whatever. Did it show? <laughs> Who cares? Okay. I tried my best. Up next, uh, a little comedian from Melbourne. I don't know if you've heard of him. Dave Hughes. <laughs> After him, Rowan Arneal. Mm-hmm. Do you think that is the best one, two, three Australian comedy has ever seen? Yeah, well, 100% probably. The audience, they were, they were on a different foot. I mean, you want to talk about a hop, a skip, and a jump. <laughs> Darcy Hughes Arneal. Come on, dude. You're saying stand-up's not popular in this country? Well, you got three icons in Chippendale giving it a good rip and a tear. Hughesy was getting insecure next to me. I forgot what it was about, and I just kept being like, mate, Hughesy. You're fucking handsome. You're handsome. Forget it. Mate, have you seen men your age? They're horrible. You're handsome. Yeah. Thanks, mate. Thanks. Husey's a bit of a bit of a silver fox these days. He is. He is. And also, I love that... Look, I understand if maybe some people don't want to go grey. Um, maybe if uh, some men or women don't want to go grey. But I will say that it's, it's great to see when someone leans in and just goes, yeah, I'm grey now. I would love to be all grey. Yeah. I'm not scared of going grey. I'm scared of losing my hair. Obviously. Both, would, <laughs> both of us are so scared of losing oh, it's, our hair. It's all I think about. <laughs> but, dude, dude, I feel like going grey is sick. Yeah, going grey is sick. Also, I don't know. Maybe if you're single, if you're still out there. But, Bro. dude, if I was married and I'm going grey, I'm going fucking grey. Honestly, if you are single and you go grey and you can't pull it off, you don't deserve anything. You don't deserve anything. You need If you can't pull off grey... Come on, what can you pull off? I think it's a trend now I saw on Melissa Villasenor's Instagram. <laughs> okay. Excellent pronunciation. Thank you. I've recently been to Central America. <laughs> anyway, she she just was going grey, but then there's like a trend in America of women just like letting it go grey, mm. even in their 30s. Mm. I think it looks not too bad at all. Yeah, I was... Um a woman I was seeing had a streak, a natural streak of grey. Oh yeah! Oh my god! What? So into it. What, <laughs> dude? If you have a streak of grey, you kind of look like you might be like uh, in Harry Potter, one of the. Yes, exactly. You know, she had a massive Hufflepuff vibe about her. Dude, if you got a streak of grey, you got Hufflepuff vibes. So sick. And here's the thing is, I think we all identify as maybe being from Gryffindor, but you don't want to date a chick from Gryffindor, no dude. No way, dude. You want Hermione? Yep, 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 yep. Dude, I'm- It's Leviosa. <laughs> it's like, babe, just shut up. <laughs> I- I'm officially done with any sort of gold star girls in my life, Billy. What are gold star girls? Another gold star on the pizza party chart style of- Oh, okay. you know, you should do it. No, I have my ways. You have your ways. Okay. Do not criticize me in any way. <laughs> Here's the dynamic of this relationship. You are not to comment on anything I say or do. I am I am above judgment. Compared to most men, I'm doing great. <laughs> I don't know where, what's giving you the confidence for that assumption, but I don't know. I'll go with it. But yeah, dude, I could totally get around some gray hair. And Husey's pulling it off. I think yeah. I forgot how we even got onto that. Mm. But Husey's looking nice. Kate Langbrook in the crowd. Yeah. A-list. A-list stars <laughs> in the crowd. <laughs> she, yeah, she's A-list probably. Yep. I, dude, I tell you what though. Having Kate Langbrook in the crowd Wednesday night torpedoed my Thursday. Because I had to call in sick to work and say, sorry, I've got to wait by the phone. I think today FM is calling. <laughs> <laughs> so, I lost a lot of money Thursday because they didn't call and I, yeah. I could have probably just had my phone on me at work well also we assumed back at the house that she left a third of the way into the show 
to, oh, she did. to call today, fam. Oh, right. <laughs> so, when she left, because she did not stay for the whole show. Um, to be honest, the fact she even stayed for you was mind-blowing. Mm. I thought she was going to get up and leave because Husey didn't stay. No, Husey never stays. Yeah, no. Because he's a man of our town. He's a breakfast radio king, right? Dude, 100%. I would love to do breakfast radio just so every gig I could be like, I have to go first. <laughs> I was doing... So, we'll come back to Yuzi, but like Thursday night, I'm doing a gig with Conchetta, who is obviously doing Triple J Brecky. And it was... They were doing the lineup and they were like, Billy, where do you want to go? I was like, oh, pretty keen to go first or second. And then they're like, all right, well, Conchetta's coming. We'll just see where she wants to go. <laughs> Keep in mind, I have nothing on in the morning. <laughs> you start work at 11. <laughs> I start work at 11 and like, and it's pretty relaxed. Um, so, I got nothing on in the morning. I could feasibly set my alarm for 10.15 and still mm. hop into my day. <laughs> and then Conchetta's like, no, you can go first if you want. I'm like, Conchetta, you have to get up at 3.30 a.m. I'm not going first. <laughs> um, That's hilarious. So, that would be unreal. But uh, but yeah, dude, Husey was looking unreal. Um, now, let's talk about the gig because- on paper, wow! You look at that lineup, <laughs> and you just think, "Jesus Christ, this is this is going to be a fun one." Yeah, this is going to be a fun one. Did I get them up top? Do you want an honest answer? I would say there were times I had them. Yeah, they were in my hands. <laughs> you know, I reckon if I get off at eight minutes, the gig is a different timeline. Well, <laughs> I went into the crowd. <laughs> there was a little bit of chatter from that around the back of the room. Get off, Billy. Now's the time. Oh, really? Now's the time. You've got them. Well, it's because I'm such a whore for the camera because mm. they filmed this one. Um, and then you got a big laugh early on with the crowd work and we were like, perfect. He's done it. Perfect. I don't know why you guys were saying that because people were telling me I wasn't going that badly. But up there, I didn't feel... Mm. I would have got off. Yeah. But I never felt like I had get off. Mm. I didn't think I was going that well. But then um, it was one of the things where I was like, I think I'm going pretty well, but I want to fucking, come on, what are we doing here, you know? And I was kind of like, oh, I can get, I can fucking really get something going here. And then I went into the crowd and I kind of fucked it. <laughs> you know, I got greedy. Um, so that was whatever. But but it's okay because uh, I, comedy legend Dave Hughes is on first. Mm. So Hughesy went up there and Hughesy had a good set. Hughesy did have a good set. He had a good set. You would think uh, bragging about all the property you own to 24-year-olds who will never come close to owning anything, mm. you would think that would go down poorly in the room. Pulls it off. Pulls it off, dude. Hats off to Dave Hughes. And I will say this about Hughesy, mate, is that he rolls in, he's doing these spots. He just, I think I've never seen him not destroy. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Dude, have you, you ever seen that? No, I've never seen. He always does well. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? We're always like, oh, Hughesy's here. I can't believe this multi-millionaire is doing un an unpaid seven. But my God, mate, the guy, he loves it. He loves it. And why wouldn't you if you were that good? <laughs> yeah. Gotta get the hour together. Yeah, dude, he's killing it. <laughs> you told me once he was like, absolutely having a real rough one at Harry's one night. Oh, he yeah. just opened his arms and said, I'll always remember this, guys. <laughs> he, he opened his arms and goes, you're a great crowd. I'll never forget this. <laughs> uh, what does it feel like when you're Bobby and you're like, I have four and a half million dollars in my house. <laughs> he owns a block of apartments. He doesn't own yeah, an yeah, apartment. He yeah, owns the yeah, whole like, block. He owns like eight apartments in yeah. the same block, which is very hard to do. <laughs> Dude, Bill Burr owns a block as well. Really? I think it's Baller. Um, but anyway, that's... And, and you want to talk about landlords, dude. 
you could go drunk with power owning the whole block. Oh, absolutely. Imagine the strata meeting. Every year is just you. <laughs> just you fucking filing your nails going, hmm, does rent go up or down this year? <laughs> Do you guys want your hedges trimmed? Yeah. <laughs> up, up, up. I'd have all the keys on a massive ring just walking around shaking them. <laughs> do, do, do. Um, but yeah, so Husey had a great set. Mm. I mean, the experience, the class, it showed Kate Langbrook is having a great time. Having a great time. I go back on stage. Obviously, I don't do any more material. I know that's not, you know, there's no need. This crowd, they, they love comedy and they hate me and that's fine. Here comes Rowan Arneal, the kid, mm-hmm. in the pocket, working every night, hour coming up. What went wrong? <laughs> <laughs> For the listener at home, for about the last 14 minutes, I've been waiting for <laughs> Billy just have this <laughs> having the biggest smile on his face in human history as he asks me. So, what went wrong? Um, I'd s- <laughs> because as we outlined, Husey crushed. Husey did crush. So, it's on. Um, Circle the wagons, babe. I, I will say that I may have had too small of a property portfolio for that crowd they were loving the property portfolio stuff what did you open with again because oh, i remember it didn't go it did not go <laughs> it did not go um it was like husey got off you came on you did your opener and then it was like whoa different gig different gig different room mm. i can't remember what you said and then um you had one at the end where and also i don't want to Rip on Rowan too much. You, you, your set was fine. <laughs> it, it was fine. It was like, it wasn't. It wasn't like a big bomb. My first joke completely bombed. And I just had to go. Well, well, well. Wasn't Husey cool? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We've all sort of panic riffed about Husey trying to follow him. Dude, one time I was bombing at Harry's after Husey. I go, fucking hell, guys. Why don't we get Husey back up here and he can read out his credits? <laughs> yeah, mate. We've just, all got some Husey riffs up our sleeve. Oh, mate. It, and here's the thing. It's just pure, unadulterated panic. <laughs> Dude, when I'm standing at the back of Harry's with my brand new jokes where I'm already like, I'm pretty sure 60% of these are nothing. And Skinner goes, oh, um, Husey's just going to jump up before you. I go, sweet. He starts doing his gala set from 2018. My hands are shaking. My hands are shaking at the back of the room, dude. I was up the back of the room before we went on. I'm like, man, I fucking heard this shit last year. He's, he's trying to impress Kate Langbrook. This, he's not working anything out. He's not working anything out. This is the last fucking seven minutes of his hour. <laughs> oh, dude, he killed. But um, yeah, your, your set was whatever. But, you know, easy come, easy go. I will say Pat Doherty probably bombed harder than you. He did. Did you see that? No, no. I fled to another gig, luckily. I I did one of the all-timers in um Sydney stand-up comedy. I got a bomb off my back in less than 15 minutes. I yeah, got off stage, sick. got in a car. And they were like, you've got one. They, I like was in the car and they were like eight minutes. And I was like, I can make this. And I illegally parked in Newtown and ran in and had a great set and was like, fuck Chippendale. <laughs> Redemption. <laughs> um, also, it's like the best. The, the gig we had a tough one at is like the best in town. 100%. It's yeah. the best room in town. Shout out, standout comedy. Yeah, shout out, standout. The best room in town. Shout out, Reese Boyle. Um, but yeah, that was super fun, man. That was super fun. So how's the, uh, how's the hour coming along, mate? Looking good? I suppose it's a week away. Like whatever it's looking like is how it's going to look. It's it, mate. This is like fight week where, you know, if I was your coach, which 
I'm not your coach, but I would I say- I swear to God, if you make any sort of analogy to you being my coach. <laughs> no, I wouldn't say coach, but I would definitely say mentor. <laughs> Way worse. Okay. Is it true that after gigs, we sit in the lounge room, I sit on the couch, you sit at my feet, listening to my wisdom? <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Um, but this is like fight week where it's like all the hard work's done. Just just got to get the weight off. Yeah, just got to- Stay fit, stay healthy. Pull eight minutes out of the air. Oh, really? Nah. That'd be uh, hilarious. <laughs> well, I have no idea. I truly have no idea. Um, oh, yeah. Dude, my first hour ever at the Sydney Fringe. Um, by the way, Sydney Fringe has started. Yeah. Did you put me on your thing for an artist pass? Yeah. Oh, cool. We can go pick them up. I'll do oh. it. I'll, I'll pick them up- um, Tomorrow. I'll get them tonight. Oh, nice. I'm oh, going down there. Oh, nice. I'm going Fuck there yeah. Thursday. Nice. All right, cool. Um, dude, my first ever Sydney French show, I did an hour 10 um, when I was supposed <laughs> to do 50. I remember like, I think, I can't remember who, maybe Lauren Bonner or someone. There was like a few people on a split bill after me and I went way over because I was too scared to look at my phone. Mm. I had the phone on the stool, but I'm like 40. I, I thought I'm like 20 minutes in or something. I'm like 50 in, dude, because yeah. I'm just- I was riffing and shit and like, I didn't even know. Yeah. Um. Well, there's been some, I've been doing half hours around town and there have been some half hours where I'm like, nice. I only did like half the jokes I want to do. That's perfect. And then other half hours where I'm like, I think I did all my jokes. Yeah. Um. It's brutal up there. Dude, don't, don't check your phone until you think it's been like half an hour. Yeah. Because if you check your phone, you're like, I think it's been like 20 minutes, 25 and it's been like 11. <laughs> then, then you have to like internalize a panic attack. <laughs> it's happened Dude, to me half, before. Half an hour is the nicest amount of time. Oh, half an hour is all right because um, like you could just sort of do a wicked 15, fuck around for five yeah. and then cruise home. Yeah, yeah. That's it's unreal. What I, that's what I've been doing. It's been great. Whereas, dude, if you're doing an hour and you lose them at like the 25 minute mark- it's life or death getting them back. <laughs> you must get them back at all costs. Um, I'm doing one of the great preparations for doing an hour of stand-up comedy this weekend, which is doing seven minutes down the south coast at three different venues. What? What's going on down this? Oh, right. You're road doing show. the road shows. We yeah, just- that'll be great, though. Yeah, that'll be fun. Mate, you got a wicked two weeks ahead of you. Yeah, I got a nice two weeks. Um, but yeah, that's exciting, mate. Uh, mate, the Sunday show. In my mind... It's Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. The Sunday mi- the show, in my mind, it doesn't really even exist. The Sunday show, look, it's not a real show. It's not a real show. Especially, dude, if you crush the Thursday or the Saturday, I would cancel the Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> What's the point of it? <laughs> no, I will say, though, traditionally, Sunday shows are always really nice because I swear they're just like the friendliest. Yeah, yeah. And the people who come out, dude, Thursdays and Sundays can be sick because- those people want to fucking see an hour of Rowan Arneal. Mm. Whereas people on the Saturday, they want to see Rowan Arneal and they also want to have 50,000 schooners. That's true. Yeah. So Thursdays are great. Like I always think Thursdays are the comedy store, like the best night mm. of the of the weekend. But yeah, very exciting. And that's probably all on that. Yeah. Been, Which, trying, mate. Been absolutely fucking around with Meta. I'm basically a promotional guy now. Oh, dude! All I do I is was promote. On, literally, last week, you and me were both on the uh, <laughs> on the phone to Meta, <laughs> one after another, <laughs> trying to tackle Facebook. Dude, I will say, you get on the phone to Facebook. By the way, I've put this on my Instagram story. I've mentioned it on the podcast before. 
My Facebook page has been banned for seven months. <laughs> if anyone can assist. <laughs> Dude, so me and Billy don't need to have to get on the phone to someone in California and say, my livelihood is being affected. Dude, so my whole tour, right? I'll put post on my... So usually, look, I'm not some crazy viral guy, you know? Usually my videos get like 5,000 views, Okay. Which is fine. It means someone fucking saw them. <laughs> so I get these community violations on Facebook for God knows what. And I said this to the Facebook chick. I said, how can my Instagram account have no strikes against it? And my Facebook account is shadow banned <laughs> on restricted. And it says, if I get one more strike, they'll take the page down. It's the exact same content. And it's the exact same company that owns both things. It's such a mugging. <laughs> Well, dude, it's actually it's such a mugging. Billy has been getting mugged off like nothing recently. It's crazy, <laughs> dude. The text. What was the text? The text last night. Oh yeah, that was pretty funny. <laughs> that was. The I just want to finish this Facebook. Thing. Yeah, yeah. But I said to the Facebook lady, and they can't, they can't do anything about it. I've spoken yeah. to them like four times, <laughs> and they said, they said, um, nine to twelve months before it comes back. <laughs> So my page isn't banned, but on my account settings it says red. It's restricted and like it won't recommend my page, and it has restricted reach. <laughs> Just so reaches your auntie, dude. So I said this to the Facebook lady. I said my videos used to get five thousand views, like, and that was just m- sort of minimum, sort of yeah. standard four thousand. Like if it got four thousand views, I'd be like shattered. Yeah, I'd want to like <laughs> I'd have negative thoughts. <laughs> But it get like four to five thousand views, and then if something did well, maybe it gets a hundred thousand, and that happens once a year. Mm. And then I go around the country and I tour um, to the smallest rooms that Australian comedy has to offer, <laughs> and I make a meagre living, but it's a living, okay. And I'm fucking getting better, and it's all good. It keeps him out of the car park for eight hours a day. Dude, he only has to go for four hours a day. I'm down to four hours, okay. <laughs> yeah. Everything was fine. I get these community violations. I'm trying to post about. Dude, I got 11 shows in Melbourne with a banned Facebook page. <laughs> yeah, dude. I was anxious. <laughs> I was anxious as shit. This torpedoed my mental health. I'm, I'm putting on my Facebook page, um, massive fucking national tour, but biggest Sydney show I've ever done, 11 Melbourne shows. The only like, I have 30,000 Facebook followers. 30,000 Facebook followers. The only like is from my auntie in Western Australia. Are you telling me no one else saw it? Are you telling me no one else is, like, interested in any of this? Like, dude, I had to spend so much money on Facebook ads to pay for my own followers. (laughs) Also, I'm broke. Uh, Thanks. Um, And then I said to the lady, she goes, have you tried boosting the post? I said, I can't just shell out a hundred bucks every time I want to post a photo of me in Mexico on fucking Facebook. What the fuck? Dude, I, I got an email at three in the morning. I woke up to take a piss because they were going to investigate why I'm not allowed to run ads and why I'm not allowed to target people. And then I just get an email being like, your problem cannot be solved. We um take harassment very seriously and it could be something to, to do with that. I'm like, could be. I've a fa- I don't even have a Facebook page. How could I have harassed anyone? I've run one ad for a Newcastle show. It's crazy, dude. They, she kept saying to me, have you read the community guidelines? It's like, my videos were about Shane Warne. 
I don't understand how any of this could be bullying. I'm doing fucking... Dude, the only person getting bullied in my stand-up comedy videos is me, both in the self-deprecating humor and then in the comments below. I should be getting... I should have a gold standard platinum, like, this kid never gave up page, you know? I should have a kept on trucking page, like... I should have a platinum badge that says, leave him alone. <laughs> Instead of, I'm restricted. There was like a joke you had about um, working in a Westfield um, car park or whatever. And someone was like, don't give up your day job. And I'm like, he hasn't. <laughs> he hasn't. You don't need to rub the fucking salt in the wound, mate. <laughs> Dude, it's so... I don't know what people think. Does Mark Zuckerberg think I'm a billionaire? Is he checking out Forbes magazine to see if Billy Darcy cracked the top 100? Do, do you think this could be have to do with the time you rated Michael Clarkson's girlfriends on your podcast? Oh, my God. That was science. <laughs> yeah. To be fair, that was, that, is, that was science. But, dude, it's so funny. I remember one time I put up a thing on uh, Instagram, like questions for the podcast or something. This one I used to do like more Q&As and I put up, you know, any questions for this week's podcast and this guy goes like, I hate your stand-up. I can't wait um, for your comedy career to like, to be over and you to like, like crash back down to earth. Like a version of that. He's like, I can't wait for for this comedy thing to peak and you come crashing back down to earth. And I'm reading that in an office cubicle where I was making 43K a year doing admin. I go, what do you mean crashing back to earth? Is this, is this, am I at a height? Are you out of your fucking mind? Is this not rock bottom? What are you talking about? At the t- anyway. Oh, yeah. So speaking of muggies, this text oh, message. That was so funny. <laughs> so the, the, oh, yeah. So Facebook's kicking, kicking my ass, but, uh, Dude, this text message, so I was saying to Rowan and Marky the other night, last night, um, I got a text from this girl like that I've got a crush on, and I was like, fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> and she was like, oh, hey, Billy, how was your trip? And I was like, dude, this is, all right, this is, here we come, <laughs> you know? And I, I'm gigging my face off this week, but next week, I've got to start asking some girls on dates. i got to mm. get back into the dating we're scene. We're going to become daters, mate. I know. The I, second half of this year, we're going to be dating. We're going to be dating, yeah. okay? if I'm telling you, watch out because I'm asking you for a coffee. And no one that I have to see if we don't work out. That's a that's a sick rule. Okay. Well, you're projecting onto me. Um, I haven't made any any grave errors in the last few months like you well, have. I'm on like the seventh run of this, mate. Yeah. So. So anyway, so I got to get back out there dating and uh, I get a text from this girl and I go, fuck yeah, dude, this is sick. Um, maybe I'll ask her out next week. And I go, I look at the text and I go, what? I can't believe she's texted me. This is great. And then I look at it. I go, oh, oh no. I forgot I text her on Thursday and she'd never reply. This is like a five day later, like mug off reply. <laughs> Oh, I thought I got a text. It's actually a mugging. Yeah. <laughs> so, and the worst part was she wasn't even like, sorry, work's been crazy. She mm. just like answered my text <laughs> as if it hadn't been like five business days. Oh, it was brutal, dude. To be fair, not many people are on the, their phones these days, Billy. So, I know. Who knows? <laughs> well, I mean, you just got to catch her at the right time. I mean, who who picks up their iPhone? But <laughs> yeah, pretty uncommon, yeah. especially with. Women in their 20s. Yeah. I replied to her the next day. So, it's chess, not checkers. Yeah, exactly. She's yet to reply to that, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) 
But now I'm in this situation where and Maka talks about this sometimes. Maka hates this stuff where like someone d- replies to you like a day later. So you go, okay, I'll reply to you two days later because you're like trying to keep your dignity intact as you're getting slowly rejected by this person. And here's the thing, dude. I'd much rather that... Uh, I'd just much rather she never replied. Yeah, yeah, me too. Because here's the thing. I was saying to you guys last night, she didn't reply and I was actually quite gutted about it. <laughs> I was I was shattered. Well, not shattered. Like, I've only met her once. When I say I have a crush on her, like, it's like a met her once crush. Yeah, yeah. Um, and she didn't reply and I was, I was like, oh, that sucks. And then a few days went past and I forgot about it and got over it. Mm. And then I get the text and I'm like... <laughs> Oh, sick. And then I'm like, oh, that's right. I was sad about this. <laughs> it was like a, it was, it was a mugging in that it was like time delayed, mm. you know? It was yeah. like just really it's sneaky a, stuff. It's an absolutely brutal one. Yeah. But I will not be deterred. I got to get back out there um, into the dating scene. Dude, I got to like remind myself to date. I'm like, it's like drinking water. Yeah, me too. You know what I mean? It's like, come on, Bill, you got to ask someone on a date. Like, well, I, I do this thing that I've been doing for about a decade now is that when I go to the pub, I'm so fucking high and drunk. Yeah. And I'm also with often people that are even more skittish than me. Dude, that's the thing. Like, so I usually just go to the pub Mm. and hope something comes of that. And sometimes it does. Yeah. But also, I'm at the point also where it's like, and I've always been this way. And it's been years and years of denial, <laughs> years of it. I n- never wanted to admit this, but I knew it in my heart from when I was like 20. And I remember one of the lads said this to me and it, br- it fucking shattered me. But firstly, mate, after 1am or pretty much even, oh, I'm not going to say midnight, but after 1am, I'm at the pub. But apart from like just hanging out with people, having fun, mm. like there's no chance of me meeting someone of worth. No. I'm, I'm too... I'm too far around the corner. Mm. I mean, one of the lads when I was like 20 at cricket, he was like, Bill, you're so funny. And then like, after like 10 beers, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I was like, oh, I just know what he's talking about. And then like, but mate, yeah, I've never- The evidence has been shown. I've never pulled after like 2am. Like I'm worthless. Mm. Absolutely worthless. Better off going home. Um, but yeah, usually I just go to the pub and stuff. But then what, the thing is when you're trying to meet girls at the pub- when it's good, it's good. When mm. it's bad, it's bad. Mm. So you got to try and meet people where you're not. Well, I you, you got to try and meet girls in an environment where you're actually yourself. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean. Sometimes I'm meeting girls and it's like that. It's like who even was that guy? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> and um, this girl I was texting, like when I met her, I was around the corner. It was after that concert where I was on the mushrooms. Yeah, like, yeah. So it's like it's not really ideal for forming a connection. <laughs> When you're talking to a girl who's had like three double blacks and I've had like 14 schooners, three joints and mushrooms. Is that an environment for love? No. Oh, it could be. I mean, it could be. It could be. Anything's possible. Mate, join a dating app and then you'll be like, whoo, I got to meet people in the real world. Okay. Because you are on Hinge now, mate. And this rattled me. It's pretty fun. Yeah. But his thing is, I don't want to go on Hinge. But if you start having like wild success on Hinge, it's going to make me think, well, Bill, you should be on Hinge. I just use it as a weird social media more than anything. Because I'm yeah. just like, it's just kind of people watching. That was the thing. Like when I used to have roommates who would be like on all the apps, they would just be scrolling 24-7 on the apps yeah. and then never meet anyone. Marky meets them. Um, 
currently I can't be fucked. I was going to ask one woman out and then I was like, okay, I have gigs all this week except Tuesday. On Tuesday, do you want to talk to a person you don't know in a courtyard? Probably not. That's the thing with comedy is like you're either doing comedy or you have a night off. Yeah. And and if I, if, if I have a night off during the week especially, I want to do nothing. And if I have a night off on the weekend, I want to see my boys. Exactly. I do not want to be talking to a person who, let's be honest, as romantic as I am, is probably not going to be the one. <laughs> well, also, the frustrating thing is, is that I'll probably know I'm not into this person within 45 seconds. So, that's what you fear. Yeah. I, dude, I, I think we've spoken about this before, but I'm a big believer in like capping the date. Yeah. Like saying, uh, like, do you want to get a coffee at 11? Mm. I've got- my sister's boyfriend's birthday at one. Perfect. So that way, it's sort of a hard out. And if it is, a, they might think, let's be honest, let's live in some crazy world where they're not having the time of their life. Okay. Some <laughs> hypothetical universe where they're not, maybe they're not vibing me. Okay. Then they're thinking, this Billy guy is honestly one of the weirdest blokes I've ever met, but 45 minutes to go. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm. Beautiful. Have you ever been on a date with someone that doesn't find you funny? Oh, yeah. Oh, mate. It is brutal. Well, it's brutal as well because I'm kind of like, that's kind of my thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, okay, so you don't find me funny. All right, so what else have I got going for me? Yeah, let me look I'm, in the old toolbox here. I'm a removalist yeah. with a media degree. Yeah. The, the other things in my life aren't aren't great. So let's just try and stick on the funny route, but that's not working. Yeah. Oh, so you don't think I'm funny? That's okay. Um, I've also been avoiding tax for five years. <laughs> <laughs> for someone that's been surfing for nearly all of his life, I'm pretty shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's tough. But also, um Yeah, I feel like I don't know. I I'm, I'm thinking now of all the girls I've dated. I think like probably at least half of them haven't found me that funny. Oh, really? Oh, I don't know. Like I'm saying I've just been on oh, dates been with. On dates with. Dude, heaps of people like we don't vibe. Yeah, yeah. Well, you definitely get the um right. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Like- I think some people um or some people I date think maybe when I'm trying to be funny, I think some people just think it's fucking weird. Yeah, yeah. Do you ever get that? Oh, big time. But also, I I think if you think it's but weird, I also get that on job sites. Yeah. <laughs> I get that. Right, weird. Like, no, hundred percent. No, I was taking the piss, brother. It's all good. But also, even though they think you're weird, it's better because, yeah. like, this is what it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I could be not weird for three <laughs> dates, and then it'll just come out of me uh, mm. on the fourth, or we could just nip this in the bud now. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Hundred percent. Yeah, I, I do not change who I am in any way. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, but we got to get back out there, mate. It's my dream for you and me to go on a double date. That well, yeah, that Every- could that could be good, but we do need to make sure that we don't get destructive with each other's dates. What do you mean? Because I could we we could end up with a bit of a dynamic where we start shitting on each other. Oh, okay. So we'll have to sort of get some ground rules, like. <laughs> So, like, talk each other up. Well, I can imagine you going a little too far with that. But um, maybe just tool... Yeah, we, Wait, we'll, so we'll take... We'll you don't put tools to, down. You don't want me to talk you down too much, but also not talk you up too much. That would be perfect. Okay. Mate, the only time... We- <laughs> I don't know why I'd be talking about you at all. 
Yeah, that's true. I well, I just immediately sensed myself start be like, Billy hasn't paid tax for five years. Let's talk about that. <laughs> yeah, I think you're more destructive than me. I can hold the fort. Yeah, yeah. Me and Maka went on a double date once, and it went great. Really? Yeah. How does a double date end? Uh, well, I guess just like all dates, you either you just I don't know. You either just go back to that person's place or you say, I'm going to my own home. Yeah. And you're not coming. <laughs> so, like that. Well, it doesn't I, end in like a four way. Well, what are you talking about? No, I just mean like the duo, like the different people deciding. Okay. So, well, in my mind, also when me and Maka went on a double date, like they were friends and we yeah, were friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think you can do a double date if it's like two random girls. Yeah, well, that's what I was kind of imagining. Dude, I don't think you know what a double date is. So, in your mind... Okay, firstly, mate, you are all over the map with double dates. So, in your mind, we rock up to the double date. It's two girls who've never met each other. I spend the whole day shitting on you, and then we go back to our place and have a foursome. I did, not think, what- I did not think there was a foursome, but I thought it would be an odd... What's happening with us? What's happening with them? Well, like, I, uh, I think we would just ask them. Mm, yeah. Mm. Man, I don't think I'm ready for double dates. I don't think you are either. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I did immediately imagine me just kind of throwing lots of fucking spanners in the works for you, which I probably wouldn't do, but I would think about the entire time. Yeah, I could see you doing it, to be honest. You're very self-sabotory. Um, yeah, Marcus was once meeting a woman that was drinking at the pub with her mates and invited me. And then like 30 seconds later was like, actually, actually, what are you going to do? And I'm, like, I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to be a normal, normal, nice guy. All right. Well, we should try and tee up a double date for the sake of the pod. Yeah. Yeah. That I mean, you fun. need a double date just so you have something to bring to the pod each week. <laughs> well, I, I, I middled out at standout. That was something. Yeah, that's pretty good. That is pretty good. All right, mate, I'll be completely candid with you. I've got a, like a butterfly chicken in the oven. Yeah, and so, I've got to go to Kmart, so. Are you going to Kmart? Yeah. Do oh, you need nice. anything? Can we get some bigger mugs, do you think? Oh, I'm skating. Oh, you're skating? Yeah. Okay, disregard. Um, cool. Well, everyone go to Rowan's show next yeah. Thursday, Saturday, Sunday in Sydney. Link in bio. Rowan Arneal, top of the food chain. Link in his Instagram bio and the show notes of this podcast. I'm opening. It's going to be so fun. I did half an hour at Bondi the other night and everyone was was squirming to come. And and Pat was like, yeah, you need to go to... And I was like, you just saw half the show. You're you're good. We're full. Dude, the amount of times I've done like 20 minutes at a show... And then said, guys, I'm doing an hour next week. None of these jokes are in the show. <laughs> and it's like the best 20 from the show. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. What can you do? Always promote. Anyway, cool. Thanks for coming.